The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join. And it is great to have your company as we look back on a superb weekend of racing. If the dizzying heights of the Cheltenham Festival, we get the glitz, the glamour and the glory of Dubai. And to break it down, delighted to say uh, that we're joined by one of the best broadcasters and journalists in the business based all the way out in Dubai. Laura King, welcome back to the Final Forum Podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me along. Do you have energy to actually talk about the racing? Because you must be exhausted. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right this year. Um, it was it was brilliant. It was one of the best World Cups I've been involved in. And uh, I've had a pretty good night's sleep yesterday night. So I, I should be all right. Fantastic. And that means Whinging Husband won't be getting any proper mentions on the show today. Then that'll be his only one. He can't complain. Uh, as always, <laughs> on a Monday, when we're reviewing the action, we're joined by one of the top traders in the business from BetDAC, uh, Barry Call. Barry, welcome back to the show, my friend. Yes, thank you, Emmett. Good afternoon, Laura. Great to be on again, as always. And finally, we might be seeing the back of the twig hoppers for the this season and the proper racing can begin. Oh, battle lines are drawn because last week you were like, oh, no, I love the jumps. And suddenly you're throwing it under the bus completely in favour of the flat. Hold on to that passion, though, because there's an awful lot of flat stories to get stuck into. And Laura, I guess we will start with Frankie de Tori because this is his last Dubai World Cup as it is for every major meeting oh it's his last Guineas his last York his last Breeders' Cup uh, it's the great farewell tour but he has gone out with a winner uh, I was pretty bullish that Lord North would get the job done extraordinary training from the Gostons to get him to win the same race uh, in three consecutive years but a brilliant ride from Frankie on the day as well the, the hype around him in Dubai did seem to be very big there's, there might have been hype around Frankie, but there's never any hype around Lord North, is there? No. He's the most underrated horse in training, and it's it's amazing. He's won so much money. He's won all these group ones now, and he just doesn't ever seem to, to cause a ripple. Maybe he will now because he's equaled the record for a thoroughbred in Dubai, winning the same race on Dubai World Cup night three times. Vazirabad did that. So this horse is the first to do it at group one level, and uh, he's just a remarkable horse. And John Gosden, before the race, was a little bit worried about the ground, said it might be a bit too fast. Not a bit of it. The horse had it all under control. And the draw for the race beforehand was hugely compelling because Nation's Pride was handed a horrible draw and ended up being involved in a terrific tussle for the win. So he's run his heart out. But the horse himself, Laura, as you say, hasn't really got the credit. Doesn't get the credit when he comes to this side uh, of of the water either, just to be racing in his native England. Uh, and yet he is a proper racehorse. He's a seven-year-old gelding, yet he's won another Group 1. It's over $6.3 million in prize money now. Is he going to be taken seriously on the stage this season on turf, do you think? You'd have to hope so, wouldn't you, if they get a clear run with him. His likely plan, you would imagine, is he'll, he'll go to Ascot and run either in the, the Prince of Wales or potentially the Queen Anne, probably the, the Prince of Wales, in which he finished fifth last season. And then I suppose they just plot a plot a campaign to get him back to Dubai again for an unprecedented fourth win on the night. He would be a record breaker if he could do that. No horse has done that on, on Dubai World Cup Day in the past. So I'd imagine that's their target. And, and it'd be amazing if they could pull it off. That would be some scene if, if he goes back and wins it again, Barry. And there's no reason to think he can't because the explosive turn of foot is still there. Um, the legs are still loving good ground. It was a terrific performance, Barry. Yeah, it was. It was a top draw performance, you must say. And, and I must agree with Laura. He doesn't get the credit he deserves to win three three big races like that back-to-back year after year. And he obviously hasn't been a straightforward horse. When you look at his form, it's littered with with unnecessary breaks, as you would say. Um, and for a horse, a seven-year-old, he's only had 20 races. And it's amazing to think he had, I think he had six races 
in 2019. So when you look at it like that, he's only ran 13 times since 2019, and the three of those have been big race wins over um, in Dubai. I thought Frankie gave him a great ride. Look, not, well, no, not Frankie's biggest fan, but I thought he gave him a great ride. I thought he uh, he popped he popped out well. He looked a little keen, and, and he seemed to uh, he got him settled into a nice place just just around halfway. And um, I think Frankie ac- actually dropped his whip with about a furlong to go. But look, he will learn with experience, Frankie, and hopefully um, that won't happen again. Uh, him dropping his whip, we all will learn with experience. So maybe he won't do that again, Mister Dottori. Um, but look, yeah, he he's a cracking horse, Emmett. He really is. Um, he's obviously had his problems for for to have so many or so little miles on the clock and still come come there year in year out and win the big race over in Maidan. Look, the reason he probably hasn't got the credit he deserves, he's got a poor enough record over over in in the UK and Ireland. I think he's only won one race since since what 2019, 2020, and and that was a, a recent success at Lingfield. Although he has been running in, in top class races, he he's uh, he was well beaten last time when we seen him at Sandown in the uh, in the Eclipse, and he was beaten he was beaten fair and square, I suppose, in the Prince of Wales Stakes. He probably will go there again. Although this time last year he did go to the Curra for the Tattersall Gold Cup over mile two, so I'm not sure whether they'll go there again. And um, maybe why not? Look, and it's great to see him staying in train, and obviously he doesn't have the option to go into stud for obvious reasons, Oof. but um. Yeah, but it, it, it's good to see these horses go on because so often we see these top class two, three year olds and they're retired straight away. And, um, you know, we're sort of robbed of of the, the, the prime of their career. But look, um, yeah, he's a cracking horse. Wouldn't he be a cracking horse to own? Um, you wouldn't have to put your hand in your pocket to pay any pay any bills for this fella. But um, yeah, good performance. A good ride by Frankie, albeit he dropped his whip. He, he didn't need it. But um, yeah, cracking performance. And, and he's a... Look, he's he's a ultra likable horse, and as I say, he's had problems and to come over overcome them and still win. It's a, yeah, credit to, to to the Gosnells as well. Great training performance. I like how in the one piece of analysis we can do where it's Frankie's final winning ride at Dubai, still the criticism comes in. Just a subtle little jabs just been thrown here and there. So it might be your final farewell, Frankie. But the bitterness isn't being set to one side by Barry Call. Uh, he's not entered in the Tattersalls Gold Cup this time around. They've clearly decided that they, they want to go a different route with okay. him. But um, in, intriguing, just because the entries have come around. Uh, Charlie Appleby's put Adair in there. And uh, uh, Aidan O'Brien's got Broom in there as well. Although, will he be going for this kind of distance again, Laura? I, I'm not so sure. I, I wasn't convinced that two miles was what he wanted. It was his first attempt at the trip uh, for three years, and it hadn't exactly gone to plan the first time around, but he's absolutely loved every step of it, uh, given a terrific ride from Ryan Moore, and um, yeah, a welcome winner for Aidan O'Brien on Dubai World Cup night. Yeah, it'd been a while, hadn't it? Um, I suppose Cairo was the hot favourite on, on the night to win for, for O'Brien of, of his three, but uh, Broom's a class act, wasn't he? It, it was a very open Dubai Gold Cup, but there weren't much, there weren't many in there with proper Group One form apart from Broom. So it certainly wasn't a win that was out of turn. And with Kiprios now out seemingly until the autumn, it could yeah. just be that he ends up being the Ascot Gold Cup horse, although you would imagine he's going to struggle over that exaggerated trip there. Yeah. Um, going up to the two mile four for the Gold Cup, that might be just a little bit too far for Broom. Um, yeah. Aidan O'Brien confirming today that he doesn't think he'll make the Gold Cup. That all emerged yesterday in an interview with Gary O'Brien where he was intimating they were waiting for the autumn but didn't explicit, explicitly actually state it. So it's it's good to see that it's actually out now. Uh, it's a bloody shame because he is the dominant stare. Um, I think it's... Uh, is it Emily Bronte? 
the filly that they've kept in training. She could be potentially... A, Emily Dickinson, I think it is. Dickinson, there you go. Thank you very much. I knew it was one or the other. Um, yeah, she bolted up at the Curra at the end of last year and they're keeping her going. So she could very well be one that will step in. Um, what would... Just his profile, Laura, is, is so unusual for Aidan O'Brien. Uh, like, I remember saying this to him last year, to have a, a six-year-old full horse still in training with you. Now it's a seven-year-old full horse. Um, and, and I almost felt as though they were going up to that distance because he just wasn't fast enough to be winning over a mile four anymore. But now that he has stayed, he gives them plenty of options. Yeah, I guess he's not all that attractive as a stallion. You know, he's going to be a national hunt stallion. So there's no particular rush to to retire him. And they've been pretty light on older horses in, in recent years. So it makes sense to keep him coming. But indeed, it was news to me. I, I tweeted a, a couple of months ago, oh, Broom's still in training. Who knew? Um, and uh, he's a... A horse who's probably been been people have been a bit uh, bit rude about him in the past, haven't they? You know, old broom, or we won't win this one. But he does pop up and win a big one every now and again. And the Hardwick that he won was one of the strongest renewals of the race. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. That was a that was a really good performance at, at the Royal Meeting, and he came unstuck in the King George onwards. But he's a lovable racehorse. Um, Two point one million in prize money. That's the most amount of money any son of Australia has won. So. Pretty, pretty damn extraordinary stuff from him. Um, the form of the race looks good too. Like Subjectivist didn't have a very kind draw, but go back two years, he was a top class there. Siskini had been unbeaten at the track. How does the form hold up overall to you, Laura? It's one of the most open Dubai Gold Cups we've, we've had, I think. And actually the ratings of the top three, Broom at 115, Siskani 112, and Subjectivist 120, make the race come out really, really quite highly um, in terms of those. So the right horses are at the right end. As you say, Subjectivist ran an amazing race, I thought. Um, and there weren't too many real disappointments, I, I don't think. It was a, a stronger a Gold Cup as we've had. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Barry, what's the betting reaction with BetDAC to the news that Kiprios is out until the autumn? Yeah, it's very raw, as you'd imagine, because we've only really got confirmation this morning, so betting is, is, is really down at the moment. But I remember, um, I think it was Yates years ago, we thought he was out for the season and he did make a miraculous recovery. So he hasn't completely ruled him out in that interview with Carrie O'Brien. He said he may wait until the autumn. So, look, it's all up in the air at the moment. As I say, the news only really broke yesterday and it's it's not 100% confirmed yet. Have you got it 100% confirmed that he's not going to go? Uh, like, yeah, I believe there was a, a press morning at Ballydor this morning and and he said he's, the same, he's definitely gonna he said the it, same yeah. thing. Um, yeah, it'll be autumn target, sadly, for, uh, for Kiprios. Well, to be fair, though, yes. Barry is right. The door is left open. He says, I don't think he'll make the Gold Cup. That's not saying he's definitely out. Uh, you you know racing. It's very rare if they say they don't think they'll make something, they'll make it. True. So True. I, I, I'd say we can, with a fair bit of confidence, say he won't make it, sadly. If this turns yeah, out it, to be it, a Nicky Henderson binocular situation, Laura, we'll be coming back to you. Fairly, yeah, fairly yeah absolutely. <laughs> but here's the thing, Emmett, again, and we spoke about this in the show before, there's no point in Aidan O'Brien coming out saying he's he's 50-50 to make, to make Ascot because he's on a hiding to nothing then. He's only putting his hand out to be slapped. So he might as well just err on the side of caution and say, no, look, He's not going to make Ascot, and if he does make it well and good, he, you know, it's um, he's nothing to gain by telling punters that he's going to run at Ascot, and then he doesn't run at Ascot because uh, he'll only end up with egg in his face. So he's probably erring on the side of caution, caution as well. But just back to back to Broom, um, yeah, what a horse he must be to own. Probably not the flashiest horse, as, as Laura was saying, um, but like you look at at the races he's ran in, I think in his last twelve or thirteen races, he's only been beaten double figures once. 
And, and that even in the arc, he wasn't beaten. I think he was only beaten nine odd lengths in, in, in the arc. And he always seems to give it running. And we hear this phrase being neutered about it so often, a globetrotter. He is a proper, proper globetrotter. And even, I think Aidan O'Brien was saying he, he might even end up as a Melbourne Cup horse at the end of the year. Um, if, if, and Ascot as well is in his plans. But I find it hard to see him getting the two mile four, two mile five at Ascot. I, I just don't think he's going to hang on stamina-wise. But look, I was wrong about Gallop and the Champ on stamina-wise, wasn't he? He got it well. So we never know with this fella. But um, yeah, he be he's a classy horse to own, this fella. Um, he's brought them all over the world. And you look at some of the, the places he's been to last year. He was at Saratoga, he was at Keeneland. And he ended up over in Shatin as well. So a proper globetrotter and seems to keep his form very well. As I say, he's never, he's never got an absolute hiding in his races. Um, being well beaten, he always seems to be there, thereabouts in high quality fields. And um, yeah, look, that was a good start, as opposed to a season. I know we had, um, I know he had a race earlier on in in Doha. That was his first run of the year. But um, yeah, look, he done it well. Um, look, they know better than us if he's going to stay. But look, that seems to be the way they're going to go. But they do have Emily Dickinson, uh, to go down the stairs route, and we don't know about Kipriel yet. It is unlikely he's going to go that way. But I'd say this fellow will end up, end up being a Melbourne Cup horse because, as Aidan O'Brien did say, he travels so well. I don't mean that in his races. I think it's um, travels so well worldwide, and, and that has to be a, a major asset to horses. Yeah, he's always taken the, the international side of things in his stride. It's just the once in America where he was very, very tough on the track um, was quite awkward. He's a great... Both of them, his, um, his stable companion in Australia, are massive, uh, or order of Australia even, are, are massive adverts for the longevity of the progeny of Australians, that they're able to keep on going, that he's aged, what, seven, and the other's aged six, uh, and they're still knocking around at the very top level for Aidan O'Brien. That's at least some bit of, a, of an insight into just how good uh, the longevity of that bloodline can be, although it's all about speed, uh, speed and blistering speed, and Equinox, would appear to have that in abundance, but also plenty of stamina, Laura King. Uh, to be fair, Mark Milligan did try to warn me that this fella could be an absolute superstar and could has already broke the magic 130 for time form, but I, for all that I was warned, I was not expecting such a visually stunning performance from Equinox as that, Laura. Uh, the world is no, his oyster. No, I know. It, it was one of those pinch-yourself-wow moments, really, because we thought going into the race that he was the best. There'd been a few sort of lackluster comments that had come out from Japan, his trainer perhaps wasn't that happy with his penultimate work, things like that. But to win like that, taking a second off the, the track record held by Mishriff, pretty much off the bridle without even being being hit, was I just thought an amazing performance. It, he's the best in the world and they have, they've been a bit sort of reticent on saying that we're going to go for the arc. But if he does, I don't see who beats him right now. They seem to be more intent on talking about the Breeders' Cup as opposed to the arc. Is there a reason for that? Uh, the ground will be it, won't it? It was very fast at Maidan on, on Saturday. Um, it was 8.8 .8 on going stick. I imagine that the Breeders' Cup being in California this year, that's going to come up really quick, isn't it? It's not mm. going to be the case in France. So that'll be the reason why I would have thought. Possibly too much heartbreak as well. Like it just yeah, keeps yeah, going they never won the arc, have they? That's only a matter of time, though. I think I really think the only thing going against them is the ground. If we were happen to have a dry Try a few weeks in in Paris. You think that would change? And they're not going to stop trying. And interestingly, the winner, the connections of the winner of the World Cup, Ashford Tesoro, are thinking of heading to the Arc with him, which is fascinating when he's just won a major race on dirt. Wow, because uh, we're going to be leading in. That's going to be our, our next race that we talk about. So that is a, a fascinating turn of events. But um, dealing with with Equinox in the here and now, 
uh, Barry, it, it does appear as, I mean, Laura's absolutely right, that ground conditions for Arc Day can change. And if it comes up better ground, this horse would have a huge chance. But it does appear as though right now it's all about the Breeders' Cup. Um, what kind of prices have been put up by Betdak and what was the reaction to his stunning victory? Yeah, his victory was stunning. He is he is favoured for the arc at the moment at around about seven to one. No prices up for Breeders' Cup betting just yet. And just the horse that uh, Laura touched on the horse of bad torso, he's uh, the twenty to one for the arc at the moment. Look, that's because they just spoke about they they may go there. But as regards um, Equinox, he was available to back at five to four, maybe a little bigger before the off. And at a number of stages during the race, which I found fascinating, he was available to back at even money. And it's only when you look back, you start to go, Jesus, he looks a great price any stage of the race at even money. For me, he, he was really, really impress, impressive. There was a sort of a hush in the office when he when he kicked clear. It, it was that impressive, you know, visually impressive to the eye. He looks so uncomplicated. Um, we've seen all these class horses over the years, even even going back to the likes of uh, of Franco. You know, he had to have bullet train to make a pace for him. And, and, and all these O'Brien superstar horses... You always have 100 to 1 shots going out making pace for them. This fella, he's just so uncomplicated. Out in front, set his own fractions. And when he asked him to go, he readily put two or three lengths clear, even more clear, on top-class horses. And towards the line, he was a good, what, six lengths clear. And as soon as Christophe Lemaire eased up on him, you could see him stopping instantly. It was just, that's it, of my job done. You know what I mean? He looks like a real push-button horse. When you ask him to go, he'll go. And when you're... When you ease off him, he just stops immediately. He was so, so impressive for me. Um, course record as well. Like, And he, he just looked like he was in tour gear, didn't he? He never really looked like he came out of fourth gear. It was so impressive. And uh, yeah, look, he's hugely exciting horse to follow um, for the season. Just Christoph Lemaire was a little bit lukewarm. He was, he was asked after the race, um, how good is he? You know, I thought he was going to be going over the top saying he's, he's the next coming. But he was just like, yeah, he's a good horse. And I started going, come on, Christoph, give us a bit more than that. He's a really good horse. But um, he blew a good field away in West Tower, where we've seen him, how good he was last year. But um, yeah, it was a really, really uh, impressive performance, I must say. Yeah, he's a good horse. <laughs> yeah, that's all he said. Did you see him? He, uh, he, he was asked, um, you've ridden some good horses. How, how good is he? Yeah, he's good, he says. Yeah, he's a good horse. That's one, for the, that's one for the brochure. That's really going to set everybody yeah. on him. Jesus. Build him up a bit more. But yeah, very uncomplicated, very likable. Yeah, very much so. Um, just a, a brief side note, Laura, on Japan's dominance. Uh, they've taken the UE Derby, the big race of the night, the Dubai World Cup, and, and of course this one. Um, Joe Lines was on the show this time last year warning about Japanese dominance, that he was essentially saying we're sleepwalking into oblivion, that there's too much of an emphasis on the prestige of, of British races, and we think that's going to get us through. We're, we're kind of coasting a bit in Ireland as well, and you look up and Japanese-trained horses are winning left, right, and center. There's just things that they're getting right, it, and particularly not putting too much, much of an emphasis on speed in the stamina of the horses they're, they're breeding. Um, it, it's quite some story, Laura. That's it, isn't it? I mean, they're one of very few nations in the world actually breeding horses for mile-and-a-half races. And they're breeding for staying trips. Of course, they've got the Japan Cup, the Rima Kanen, are, are their biggest races overstaying trips. So sprints are less of a deal for them. Hence, there's less of an emphasis for them to, to breed for speed. Plus, they just seem to have this amazing attitude that if they've got a good horse, they want to travel with them. Whereas I think in other countries, as you say, there's so much pres pres prestige even attached to racing in England that, that people get a very good horse in England and they think, well, I'm not going to 
win any better races by going abroad, but the Japanese don't have that outset. And, and that's brilliant. And we had 27 Japanese horses travel to Dubai for this year's Dubai World Cup. Only 26 of them ran. And they had a few disappointments. They only had three winners, had five last year. But I think it, the main thing is it's, it's this attitude that they want to travel. And when they do it, they take a big team with them and they they really do put the groundwork in and they have a very flawless procedure to doing everything. And I think that stands in very good stead. Yeah, and the success shows no signs of stopping, and it's more than welcome. It's very welcome, in fact. We want to see more nations on the global stage, and it didn't happen for Japan at Royal Ascot last year, but it certainly happened for them elsewhere, and it's only a matter of time before it does indeed happen for them at the Royal Meeting. Um, let's talk about their winner of the big race, though. So, uh, Algiers was backed into favoritism and gets nailed fairly comfortably in the end, uh, laid on by the Japanese Raider. I'm freezing on the pronunciation because I had it down to a fine perfection. Of course I did, Laura, and, and now I'm afraid I'm going to absolutely butcher it. The horse who won the Dubai World Cup is? Ushba Tesoro, I think. That's what we've been saying anyway. Perfect, Laura. Proceed and continue. A terrific performance <laughs> from uh, the son of Over. They went too hard, didn't they? That was the story of the race. Mm. Uh, I think, obviously, with, with Panther Lassa drawn wide, he, he sort of was was gunned to get to the, the lead. A couple of local horses um, were up there early on, including Remorse and and Ben Duke, who, who ran an amazing race. I can't believe he didn't finish better than, than sixth. But that was it. There was a, oh, a pace rule up front. And we they, we had they that did. horse backed at 80 to 1 each way, so we were also going, how has he not finished at least fifth? It, oh, oh, no. it was, I, I genuinely thought, turning for home, that he was going to win. So um, did we. And, and then you saw Algiers absolutely ranging up and, and he looked the most likely winner. And then Ashford Sosoro missed the break and basically ran on from last to first. Beneficiary of a little bit of a, I think pace collapse is too strong of a word, but beneficiary of a few of them going too hard early on. Yeah, it was forecast to be a hotly contested pace, but not that hot. Um, it, it, they shouldn't have gone off that fast. And it, it just completely, yeah, it's not exactly form that you can, rely on or will be backing to, to trust next time out. Um, no. In terms of... No, I, I think it was a bit of a a bit of a freaky result. There were more than a few of us looking at our race cards going, what on earth is this? But several of the media had put this horse up as a, a likely winner earlier on uh, in the week. He came in, in brilliant form. He won his last five, but he'd been running on a... Sorry, won his, won his last four, but he'd been running on the NAR circuit, not, <clears throat> not the JRA circuit, so a slightly lower level hence he was a little bit ignored by some that yeah that would make sense to me so it was more like the local group races as opposed to actual proper japanese group group races um yeah but he had you know he'd beaten tio keens at the time before that was strong form he was always a horse who was gonna absolutely love this this trip i said there was a an awful lot to like about him um but I say just because he hadn't been on the the, the the higher profile jra circuit that was why uh, he was a little bit uh, sort of underlooked. Yeah, while well, most of us were going, who? Overlooked him. <laughs> um, Been a long week. <laughs> just just briefly, no, no, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, but just to put a button on this, somebody did say, to, somebody WhatsApp me, that's got African story written all over it. Uh, is, is that a, a harsh criticism to compare it of the last 10 winners to compare it to African story as opposed to... Uh, or maybe even a Prince Bishop style of, of race? Like. Yeah, Prince Bishop would be more like it, because African Story and Prince Bishop both came through the local the local prep, so they knew the track. Prince Bishop would be, would be more like it, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, he's one of my least favourite Dubai World Cup winners. 
is Prince Bishop. Um, this guy would probably rank a little bit, a little bit higher than that. Um, but you know, going into it, it was one of the most open Dubai World Cups I can remember. But it won't go down in history as one of the best. I don't think. No, I, I still have a raised eyebrow when Prince Bishop comes galloping along to go win the Dubai World Cup. Even on the replay, I think he's going to lose it. Um, it was it really was quite extraordinary. Barry, your take on the Dubai World Cup? Yeah, I thought it was a great race to watch, wasn't it? When you see how far he was, he, he wasn't actually even in the picture um, down the far side. But yeah, they did go off hard, as as Laura said. But look, he still had to uh, get through all that kickback. There's an awful lot of kickback he had to suffer, and, and, and he went very wide around the bottom bends and still came storming through to win it. And I must say, I thought that the runner-up ran really well as well. Um, as years, I think he's a, he's a really improving horse. This fella, um, he won the two rounds of the maximum challenge. I think it was six lengths on both occasions. And uh, I thought he ran a blinder there. He was closer to the pace, obviously, than the winner. So I think he'd probably be the one to take out of the race uh, going forward. But look, take nothing away from the winner. He had to do it the hard way. And yeah, these Japanese horses are flying. And um, I think Jared Lyons is right in what he said. We need to sort of sit up now and take notice about them. But um, yeah, good winner. But if it was taking one away from the race, Emma, it would be uh, the horse to finish second all years. Yeah, and just on Algiers, Laura, is there a talk that he's going to be given the opportunity to prove himself on the dirt in America? Is he coming back to the UK? Mm-hmm. What's the plan with him? That's a really good question. Um, I, I'd i be surprised if they go to America. I'd love, love them to take him there. It'd be fantastic. But what the local trainers in Dubai, and Simon Christopher has a license in Dubai, Simon and Ed, um, as well as, as in the UK. So we can kind of count them as both. But what they tend to do is to really target next year's race. So I think what actually they'll do is target next year's Saudi Cup because I spoke to Ed immediately after the race and he said, look, you know, we're thrilled. He, he was running on empty in those last couple of hundred metres. Saudi Cup over 1,800 metres. He'll be invited to the race, you'd imagine, after this year's brilliant performance in, in Dubai. So next year they can probably target it, whereas this year his invitation to it came a little bit later, I think, than they would have liked. So yeah. I suspect what they'll do is bring him back to England. You'll see him have a couple of runs on the all-weather Similar prep, maybe one run in Dubai, off to Saudi. But I haven't spoken to him about this particular plan. I'm just second-guessing. And maybe he then runs in the Dubai World Cup after that. I think that would be great. Um, but the Saudi Cup, with that little little less trip, I think is, is going to be tailor-made for him. Well, if this is how it all pans out, and this is actually the plan that the Christopher's end up using, then we know where they got it from, and we can just be... <laughs> <laughs> the invoice sent out on behalf of Laura King. Um, I don't you- think there's much I can tell Simon Crisford about racing. It's just uh, you, you sort of can guess from experience what, what connections often often do. I think you have predicted that very, very well, Laura. Um, what was your highlight of Dubai World Cup night? Sibelius in the Dubai Golden Shaheen, because this race um, quite often brings us a, a trainer from America who's not all that well known. That was the case with uh, Carlo Callahan, who won this a few years ago with with Kinsale King, and now this year with Jerry O'Dwyer with Sibelius. And Jerry, you might remember him as a, as a jump jockey. Mm. He rode, I think, 200 winners over the fences. And they, they him and his wife, Alison, and, and the rider, Chelsea, that they turned up in Dubai, and they were just set to love every minute of it. They spoke to everyone who'd listened to them. They had the horse pose for photos. They were brilliant. And then when he won, it was just a magical moment because I, I thought, these are cool people. This is a nice horse. He's probably not good enough to win it. And he manages to do it, beating Switzerland, the defending champion, by a nose. So it, it was fantastic, just because they've been brilliant people to deal with. And it was a, a great story. And hopefully it's the start of, a, you know, a real sort of 
you know, Jerry's career was going very well anyway, but this you'd think would elevate it to an even higher level. Oh, big time. Uh, it's going to put him on so many different radars. Uh, terrific story. Terrific ride from Ryan Moore as well. Um, all For all that he did do me out of a few quid on the runner-up Switzerland, who was as game as you like, but a terrific, terrific performance. Uh, Laura, I've thoroughly enjoyed breaking down Dubai with you. Uh, hopefully, please God, we'll, we'll be there uh, this time next year. Um, but thank you so, so much for your insight. Looking forward to talking to you again. No problem. Many thanks for having me. It's Laura King, Managing Editor of World Horse Racing, which if you have not been checking out, some of the content is absolute gold online. Uh, writes for gg.co.uk as well. Uh, and of course, the Racing Post too, Laura, is an absolute class act. Uh, Barry Call is still alongside me as we go through uh, some of the other performances from the weekend. Flurry... Flurry, Jesus Christ, uh, Barry! The flat is very That's much short. My shorts are a bit flurry. Oh, dearie me! I've given the boys at Betdak HQ a new abusive name for you now. If they want to just start throwing that one out there, we know again. Flurry, I've been called that before, so it's nothing new. Jesus Christ! Um, this, what happens when a severe migraine just keeps on building and building and building for days and shows no sense of? going away. You go slowly insane. Uh, Ladham for Chris Hayes uh, and William Haggis wins the Irish Lincolnshire. British horse coming over here taking our prize money. Um, a, a welcome runner for William Haggis um, and, and a welcome winner for Chris Hayes as well. He said for another huge season. I, I liked this performance quite a bit. Yeah, the only thing is, as you just mentioned there, what do the English trainers think they're doing coming over here taking our big prizes? Like, we don't do that. Oh, oh wait, actually, we do. Um, <laughs> well, it's, do you know what it is, though, Barry? In all fairness, though, go on. it's the, the handicap system is way too lenient on these British runners. This isn't how it goes for the Irish when we go over to England. We're carrying That's 10 true, pounds yeah. more than we should be in our Irish. But the British horses come over to Ireland. Oh, no problem at all. Oh, come on over here. What's your mark there? 89. Oh, sure, we'll let you run off 87. I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. Obviously, yeah. this is it is it is amazing though how how many on the flat British trained horses come over and succeed, particularly the sprinters, but even up to a mile. Um, it is remarkable how many British trainers will target Irish races week in week out and do particularly well, uh, and yet we can't get the British jumps trainers to do anywhere even close to that kind of thing for jumps racing. Well, sure, if the British trainers can't win in their own backyard, they're not going to come over here and, and take us on. But yeah, I know it's look, a different True. topic. Punchestown, it's it's um, quite poor entries the odd time. Like Punchestown, you might what four or five runners for the week. It's uh, it's quite poor. But anyway, back to back to Latam. Yeah, look, I know this is an obvious statement, but I'd say he's going to end up being a very very well handicapped horse um, of eighty seven. Uh, just to mention, Adam McGuinness mob handed in here. He had nine, I think. Well, he only had eight that made it to the to the finishing post. I think one Finian's Bay. I think refused to race. But um, yeah, poor Alado, he was second, third, fifth, and sixth. So he threw plenty of darts at us, but uh, just missed. Salt and Stall looked all over the winner up the inside. It looked a crack and riot by Adam Caffrey to smuggle him into the race up the inner, and it, it looked like a, a race win a maneuver. But in fairness to Latam, um, I don't know how many times you've seen the replay, but about, I'd say it was about three quarters of a furlong out, a couple of hundred yards out. Um, he had to really, he had to come off heels and switch to the left and, it looked as though he was he'd far too much to make up on Salt and Stall at that stage, but geez, he really got him going in the last the last 50, 60 yards, and he just got there on the line. There was um you could have backed him in the photo finish. I think I think when the when the photo force went up originally, he was about 104, 105. But by the time the result was called and it did drag on a little bit, um you could have backed him at 130 in the photo finish. Now I know he won a short head, but look, you can win by a nose, which is obviously shorter than a short head, so 
a good short hair. You could have backed him at, at 130 in the photo finish. But, um, yeah, at the time, he's definitely well-handicapped horse. Very unexposed. I think that's only his fifth start um, there in, in his career. Um, Salt and Stahl and Casanova, the, the two Adam McGuinness runners, you've seen that, those runners and those uh, colours for the Dooleys and Bart Sullivan run so well down in Galway. I'm sure that's that'll end up being their target. But, look, it's tough off their court marks, 99 and 97. And they're getting no younger either, though, too, already a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, no more Porter, another one for the, the same connections back in fifth place. But yeah, Latam, I'd say he's going to end up being lucky, probably go listed now after this. And I won't have to win in a big race like this and being only a four year old, well bred son of Duke de Vegas. So um, yeah, he's a gelding. So it's exciting to see where he goes. He, he had to overcome a lot of traffic. And if you if you watch it again, just, just beyond the four long pole or inside the four long, he had to, Chris Hayes had to make a, a big switch and it sort of stopped all his momentum and peeled him at wide. But um, or towards the near side rail, I should say. But yeah, certainly came with a good rattle, a good performance, great race to watch. It's it's, uh, it's hard to get the winner of it, but um, yeah, crack and finish. The quote from Chris Hayes afterwards was, Latham is a horse I was told needs to get there just inside the final furlong pole, maybe even a whole lot later. It was a nose away from it being a shocking ride. If you're being told to do extreme hold-up tactics... It's you might as well pull them off with the most extreme hold-up tactics. It was absolutely brilliant from him. Um, great training from William Haggis. He's got the favourite for the Lincoln, which is a week later than it normally would be. Normally the uh, the Doncaster race would have kicked in and the British turf flat season would also be underway, but no, it's it's a week later this year. Um, but William Haggis has got the favourite, Al Mubir, uh, for the, the Lincoln itself, and we'll try and crack that for you uh, later in the week. Uh, insinuendo was a well-backed winner of the Park Express stakes. Um, this horse, I suppose, is going to always be most noted for um, giving Luxembourg a real fright in the Royal Whip uh, back in the day, but she did prove that that was no mean feat. She was placed behind above the curve afterwards, and she's got her season off to a, a winning way here. Um, what did you make of the performance, and what kind of a season do you think is in store for Insinuendo for the McCreary's? Yeah, I think it's important for her to get a, another win um, on her card. I think that's only the fourth win of her career. But look, it's, it's her first win since July 2021 as well. But when you look at, at the sort of races she's contested, she's contested three Group 1s and two Group 2s. And that's her, that's her second Group 3 win of her career. She's also won a Group 2 race. But I think that could just be her season. I think it's, it's it's shown in the past when she does go up against into Group 1 company. She does... Well, it's hard to say she struggled really, wasn't it? Because she's been a, a bit of a neck behind... Luxembourg, although it was a group three, we know how classy Luxembourg is. Then again, she was better neck in a group two behind it above the curve at the Curra. Um, I think at the very, very top level, then she just comes up short. Um, she could be a sort of a, one of these famous name horses, you know, really classy at group two, group three. But when you step up to group one, it's it's just the top of the top, isn't it? It's, it's the cream of the crop at group one. Look, she's rated, she ran off 110 there, I think, the other day. You're going to have to be a little bit higher to win group one races, aren't you? But look, she'll pay her way. In, in, in mares races, fillies and mares races. And um, yeah, look, they're going to have some good fun with her. She could improve for the run. We don't know. This is the thing with horses starting out first time of the season. It's it's hard to gauge how much they're going to come forward for the run. But uh, the fact that she went off at even money, having not won a race since uh, last July, July 2021, shows that she was obviously ready ready to go. And we, we did see good money for her on the day. Um, look, she has some classy form in there behind the likes of Emily Upjohn as well. So I just don't think she's quite a group one filly. Um, would I mind owning her? Absolutely not. I'd love to, 
But I think at the, against the very, very top level, she might just come up that couple of lengths short. But um, look, good performance the other day. She won it well. And I'm sure they'll have plenty of fun with her in the summer. She is a six-year-old, so I'm not too much, not too sure how long they will uh, continue on with her or if they will put her to the breeding paddocks. But uh, yeah, important to get another win on her on her card there, on there. But yeah, good performance. Yeah, I'm amazed she's actually still in training. Um, because yeah, they, they might have seen this as a, as a soft soft group three, a chance to win start of the season. Like, like if well, it was on, maybe, it was a soft yeah, group three, and they've taken full advantage of it. But it, uh, they they pulled off. A blinder by getting her third in a Group One at Ascot on Champions Day. Yeah, that's true. And the other way of looking at this is, if you're planning on on retiring her, you can have her one hundred percent in March. Whereas, like ninety nine percent of horses at this time of the season are, you know, aiming for bigger and better things further on down the line. And yeah, the good and point. They're, and they're going to come on for it. So, look, they can have her one hundred percent. Whereas other horses will be at seventy percent, and the next time they'll be at eighty and ninety and building towards the major races in the summer. But if, they, if they're saying, look, lads, we only want to have one more crack at it, one more run, right, they could have been ha- having her in, in, in training since since January and, and getting her ready for this one day. Yeah, and this was back down to a mile as well, and she's still been well-backed and got the job done. So I, I would agree with you. Um, I don't think she'll be taking a group one. It, it probably is group two maximum that she can go and win. Uh, but back up and trip to a mile two, a mile four... I'd be pretty sweet on her, depending on what the opposition is, that she'd be able to go and win. But, um, you know, it would, it would just proceed a little bit with caution. Uh, Paddington got the job done in the Irish racing writers, Carmel Kerwin and Loretta O'Halloran Memorial Madrid Handicap. I'm pretty sure this is the last time we'll see Paddington running in a handicap. Um, he was carrying nine stone nine. He's travelled very strongly, just like he did when he won on his second start last year. Uh, and just looked to be in a completely different league to this lot, Barry. Yeah, and to win a Cora Maiden by five lengths as he did at the back end of last year was ultra impressive. He went off a big enough price that day, over yeah. three to one, or sixteen to five, as we'll call it. Officially. Oh no! Another one of these crazy prices. But I haven't been stopped able to, or I've been stopped able to sing in that uh, the Paddington Bear song he had for the last couple of days because it's just, you know, Paddington Bear. I've been singing that. Um, I was listening to Aidan O'Brien yesterday he mentioned you now it's 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 odd that he goes and wins a handicap now look i know he, he ran off 97 but um he mentioned that the french guineas he mentioned the irish guineas and he even said it could be a derby horse in time so um i'd be shocked if they didn't have a better horse than paddington down there in the yard um winning a, a handicap off 97 and then being spoken about about a derby horse look the others in behind them did each other no favors really there was plenty of messing with the second third and fourth horses Take nothing away from Paddington. He was going to win anyway. He travelled so smoothly into the race. Um, Aidan O'Brien said he expects him to come on an awful lot for the race. Um, he said he hadn't had, had him off the bridle in his work at home. I, I presume that's the way he, he takes his horses at this time of the year. He won't, as he says himself, put the gun to head this early. But um, yeah, a likeable performance. Emma travelled really well, quickened up on, on heavy ground, uh, lumping a fair bit of weight, wasn't he? Nine stone seven in a decent contest. But again, as I mentioned, if you watch the race again, the opposition second, third, and fourth, they had a bit of a barging match uh, inside the final four long. But was he was always going to win. It was a vicious barging oh. match. It was, yeah, it was a vicious barge, barge. And, and at a track like Nace, where it's it's wide open, you know, way. But it just to me, I think the horses were getting a little bit tired on that heavy ground up the hill as well. Again, all having their first runs of the season, so you don't know how much they're going to come on for it or how much they might have needed the race. But um, I thought Semblance of Order ran quite well. I know he finished sixth in the race, but he travelled 
he was like free and keen throughout the race and uh, say he can pick up a race or two he's rated about 80 and um, he should step forward from the run but yeah Paddington spoken about as a French guineas Irish guineas type I'm sure they have better than him at home but look as I say he could take a big step forward from that yeah I think he will take a, a right step forward um, or a right step forward if my mouth words can be used properly here um, just going back through his pedigree cost 420,000 euro as a yearling pocket change for the Magna team um, well it wasn't sterling that would have made all the difference wouldn't it <laughs> Um, the ownership has changed again to uh, to have removed no Peter Brandt is is there still Uh, so it's it's the great and the good of Coolmore really it's it's Peter Brandt who is obviously a hugely successful businessman Uh, he has the other double green silks and his big ambition is to win the arc which he's done with the Coolmore horse Um, Vesterberg who is the grandson of the founder of Opal so that's Mr. Opal, and then Tabor, Smith, and Magner, uh, all involved in the ownership. But that that ownership has altered over the, the period of time, and it's been um, rebuilt here as well. Um, now, now, when they turned up at Nace yesterday, would they all get in for nothing, or is there a limit <laughs> for many owners can get in for nothing with a free ticket? That's a very good question. How does that work when you fly in? Like, when you fly you in, in, does that mean that they just automatically go, oh, Billy Big Ball's there, so we don't need to charge him anything. Or or do they charge you even more because you're flying in? It's a very good question. I, I remember being a, a, a fairly house at Hatton's Grace one day and a certain big owner flew in and landed in the middle of the track and one of the lads said to me, look at him, he didn't even pay in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a fee for landing your plane, but yeah, I could just see the boys outside now. Um, Vesterberg and Brandt and, and Magner and Tabor and we've only got three tickets lads well, somebody has to pay you know is security going up to them and go, and, and saying no sorry like, like does John Peter and Mr. Opal do they get to walk through and then Derek and Michael are like hang on a second lads have you got your tickets there like does it get awkward well, like that or, yeah just and then we put in three or four quid each and just pay for the, the fellow who has to pay for his tickets <laughs> and then they get in I'd say that's what happened. <laughs> the three or four quid. <laughs> oh man, um, some amount of puzzles. It's okay because they had another. They had another runner in the next race, Jackie O. So there would have been tickets for that one there. Yeah, they could just switch that around then. Exactly. Yeah, Martin Martinstown, no longer owned by JP. That's another reworked uh, yes. ownership. That's an interesting one. Gets beaten in the next race. He knew. He knew Barry. He he dissolved his interest in the horse before the disgrace of getting beaten in Nice. Um, but. The pedigree of Paddington is is beautiful if we get back on track, um, and all all distances really will be up to him. I'm, I'm impressed with the fact that he was able to win over seven on his comeback because he looked as though he was a horse who was going to appreciate at least a mile. Um, he did win over seven furlongs at the Curra on on his day de- on his second start. He made his debut at Ascot. We've talked about that on the show uh, a number of times. I was covering it for Talksport. He was the greenest Aidan O'Brien runner I've seen for quite some time. And I don't know whether it was the the undulations of Ascot that he just absolutely despised, but there was something about that day he hated. He was green as grass, um, never really looked particularly comfortable, was wildly impressive at the Curra, as Barry said. Uh, yeah, and then his, his, a maiden by five, yeah. Yeah, and to come out beginning of the season on bad ground over seven furlongs in a handicap to go and win... I thought that was a really nice performance. I, I suspect this guy's quite quite decent. Um, 
I suspect you are right that there are other Coolmore horses that will be uh, significantly above him. But I, I wouldn't be sleeping on this spell at all. I think he's a big, big player going forward for the season. Yeah, definitely. And very well bred, as you said. Um, his name is by Montju, so obviously he's going to get a little bit further in time. And if you're winning a seven furlong maiden at soft of Dakota as a, as a two-year-old, you're obviously going to get at least a mile or two, you think, as a three-year-old, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just going down through some of the, the Irish guineas entries for Aidan O'Brien, who he's left in. Because uh, there's a number It'll of these horses. All right. Oh, there's, they're not stuck for a few runners, that's for sure. Um, no. August Roden, he's going to be the main derby player. Yeah, he apparently worked well at the Corrie yesterday. So I hear, uh, apparently Little Big Bear did very well too. Yeah, um, and he gave a special mention to a horse, um, the listeners might note down, a horse called Tower of London. Yes. Um, he, he, gave him a, he gave him a mention as well, so he might be one to, to keep on side as well. Hmm. Uh, not entered for the Irish 2000 Guineas, but good old Victoria Road is. And yeah, we'll get to do a proper deep dive into Aidan O'Brien's horses very, very soon on the Final Forum podcast. Um, visualization in the listed race. What did you make of this one for Joseph O'Brien? Um, visualization. Where's my notes on visualization for Joseph? Um, oh. one Come on, man. That's just too much racing at the weekend. Too much racing. Yeah, she beat Sunchart. Sorry, of Andrew Slattery. He's a frustration sort, that Sunchart, isn't he? He yeah. rated 103 now. Um, God, many races he won. Looking back, I don't think he's... Has he won a race? Yeah, he's won one from 19. But for a horse of his ability, that's that's the first thing that caught me eye. Sunchart placed again. But um, he's a real good yardstick, in fairness, Sunchart. I don't think he's a bad attitude or anything like that. But if you're beating a horse like Sunchart, you, you know you're you're above average. Let's say that. You're, you're well above average. And um, this one, yeah, again, hasn't won a race since last September, but it was, was very good in fairness uh, the other day. Stayed on well. Uh, good to see Declan McDonough back with a couple of horses. Um, he sort of went by the wayside a small bit um, recently. It was good to see him back with a, with a listed winner there. But again, hasn't ran for almost a year, 270-odd days. Could take a huge step forward. That horse that finished um, toward in the race, uh, self-belief for uh, William McQuarrie, that's not a bad animal at all. Won a maiden at the Curra on our debut. Won it well by a couple of lengths, I think. And um, then went on to win a listed race at Leperstown. She could be one to, to come forward from that run as well. She wasn't beaten an awful long way. And she was well back to into our second favourite. But um, yeah, look, it's it's Sunchart in there. He's a real good yardstick. Again, they might have tried to nick a race early in the season with him. I suspect he was well forward to go here because um, he's going to struggle off a mark of 103. So get a win, maybe... Yesterday was the day, but look, they just bumped up against one. But um, yeah, I'll keep an eye on on, on self belief as well. Uh, get the impression she could uh, step forward. So um, yeah, take the top two out. But as I said, he's a really good yardstick, and if you're beating him, you're um, you're you're doing all right. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way of wrapping that up. The four fifty five is the Dubawi Legend, which is a terrific name. Uh, Irish EBF Phillies Maiden. Dubawi should just be referred to as Legend from now on. We're obviously referring to a different horse, but. Dubawi legend should just be the way he's um, even though we're jumping into a different explanation of a racehorse I still think that should be applied to him basically left right and centre anyway uh, for the third year in a row Aidan O'Brien has taken the uh, Dubawi legend uh, Irish EBF maiden um, this is significant because his last two winners of this race were Empress Josephine who would go on to win the Irish 1000 guineas and a certain horse called Tuesday who took this last year now yes. it's Jackie O uh, who makes her stable debut 
a winning one in beating Red Riding Hood, who was the chosen mount of Ryan Moore. Um, it was Shamie Heffernan on board Jackie O, a well-named horse, and she's a beautifully bred horse as well, and she's done it very, very well, uh, getting the better of a long, protracted battle for quite a, of quite a fair way out, Barry. Yes, and if I was to tell you which was one of the best-backed horses yesterday at Nace, it was Jackie O. It wasn't Red Riding Hood. Very, very well-backed was Jackie O. We've seen lots more money for Jackie O than we did for the favourite, if the truth be told. So, look, it's we see so often the second string uh, winning from Bally Doyle. Um, we all know that, it, well, if we're to believe what Aidan O'Brien says, he doesn't do that much work with him at home. Um, having her first run of the season, Jackie O, they might have had a hard race them at these two fillies. Um, they got racing quite a way out, maybe a four long and a half out up a hill on heavy ground. Um, Jackie O, that's her first run, but very impressive. Um, she's very well bred. The way she stayed on, I think Aidan O'Brien has decent plans for her as well. He spoke quite highly of her as well. He said she'll she'll take a big step forward. He's going to go for the Guineas trial next, and he said she, I think his exact words were she should come forward plenty. But she'd obviously been doing plenty at home because uh, there was really, really good money for her. She won the best back horses of the weekend against her stable companion. Um, I think just once, like there might not be an awful lot of that in between them at home, but once Ryan sides with one, you know, punters tend to latch onto that. But uh, yeah, good performance from the top two. They were two and a half lengths clear of the third horse and it was a long, long way back um, to the fourth. So the first three came clear. Um, Henry de Bromhead's filly ran well back in third place. But yeah, Jackie O, very, very well supported on the day. Um, so she was obviously doing something at home. And yeah, O'Brien speaks highly of her. Guinea's trial uh, next, he says, for her. Yeah, you'd imagine classic trials for both of these fillies um, going forward. Aidan would know the family. He trained uh, a relation called Hibiscus to Jackie O, uh, who was a, a full full brother. But Godolphin got a few of these as well. Secret State and Line of Duty, who were both good horses for Charlie Appleby. Um in, in terms of Jackie O's pedigree, a mile won't be any issue to her. I don't think going up to a mile four would be too much of a problem to, him, to her either. She's not exactly screaming out for it. On the other hand, though, uh, her stable companion, Red Riding Hood, will definitely appreciate going further. She's a daughter of Justify, um, and she's very much bred for a, a bit of stamina. Um, her two siblings, Monday, both trained by O'Brien Monday and Leinster House, were proper seven furlong horses, but... Aiden is already talking about further for her. Yeah, she as you say, she's very well bred by her dad being Bally Doyle. So we had it was the big hoo ha when was it this Bally Doyle was named and Coolmore was it? Yeah, Coolmore and Bally Doyle in the same season. Yeah, but JP knew he got rid of Martinstown. He got rid of Martinstown, didn't he? <laughs> he knew. He knew. But you're looking when when horses get these big names, you think oh it's gonna be. You know, they're going to be something special, but look, it just doesn't always work out like that. But um, Yeah, exactly. Um, no fancy entries for Jackie O, but I think that's going to be rectified pretty sharpishly. And um, you would imagine that after her Guineas trial, she'll be supplemented for all of the big races. Um, I could see her being a huge player in the Irish 1000 Guineas, and she'd be very, very high on that list now. Um, that's, that race is still going to be about the Dermot Weld filly and Aidan O'Brien's Meditate. Uh, and they're certainly yes. the ones who would set the standard for that right now. I would favour Meditate at Newmarket. Um, very much so favour Meditate at Newmarket. And I think the market is reflecting that. But Jackie O is a name that should be 
very much remembered. Uh, we'll see her in a 1,000 guineas trial shortly, and it's going to be an Oaks trial for Red Riding Hood. You would imagine both horses will be names to, to remember. Shall we do a brief bit of jumps chat before we head uh, We off? have to speak about our, our old buddy, seeing as though he's not here today. Yeah, I, th- I thought right, it would be right rude. Out of skin, isn't he? I thought it would be very rude if you and I did a full podcast and didn't mention the glorious success of of one Dennis O'Regan. Uh, yeah, he is riding brilliantly, and this was tremendous stuff on the Devil's Coachman. Um, he was favoured, but it wasn't an easy contest. Dennis made it look easy, though, Barry. He did. He made a couple of mistakes. I thought he was sketchy enough at the first. Um, he was slow. At Dennis the or the horse, court, and then. Dennis. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, Dennis. Sorry, Dennis. The horse, the horse, the, the man on board on all the work. The horse, he was slow at the first, and I think it was a tour de fort. And then second time around, that first fence ended up being the second last, I think. And he got into the bottom of it again. But um, Dennis never went for a stick, uh, heading towards the last, even though he was maybe a length and a half down. And he winged the last. He got a great lap out of him at the last. And it was all hands and heels stuff up towards the line. He quickened really well. The horse back in third place, I think it was, ran on well life in the park for Henry de Bromhead and Rachel Blackmore. I think he was the one that was coming coming home well. But look, it was hands and heels stuff um, from the Devil's Coachman. And uh, yeah, good to see Dennis getting a... Look, he's been around a long time. What age is he now? We were talking, he's 10 years older than us too, isn't he? And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he was, we were born in 82, he was born in 72, so he's around a while now. And, um, lies! Got a couple of winners. lies! <laughs> it's not lies, it's the truth. You got a couple of winners there the weekend after Chandler. There's a bizarre, there's a bizarre story, I'm sorry, I have to say this, there's a bizarre story that the three of us realised were all in and around the same age, basically only a few days apart, which is just yeah. absolutely bonkers. Except for Dennis, who was ten years older than him, <laughs> tell the truth. I think he's the youngest, isn't he? <laughs> he is the he's the youngest. I think he might the be the youngest. Yeah. yeah, poor uh, old Dennis is the youngest of the three of us, and and here's Billy Ray Cyrus coming on the show here to go. Oh, yeah, he's ten years older than us. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, it's clearly clearly our fathers must have been friendly drinking companions back in the day because it's just bizarre that the three of us were born literally within a few days of one another. So. That's true. Couldn't be partnered up with uh, with two better blokes, though, I have to say. Um, in, in terms of Dennis's ride here, though, the Devil's Coachman has looked a very good horse this season. This is the best he's ever looked to me. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's never looked... Won a fairy house, like. Yeah, like, he's he didn't look that stylish when winning in, in Nace. Like, obviously, he, he ends up getting, getting chuffed out that day. Uh, and... Was it that he gets handed the race after Ramelies? Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, yeah, he was he was promoted to force, yeah. The day he beat Churchstone Warrior, he didn't travel as smoothly as he did here. Um, and, like, Dennis rarely goes for the whip. Like, that's something that he's talked about numerous mm. times. But I, I was talking to somebody about this afterwards, and they were saying, Jesus, I thought I was beaten. I don't know how you could think you were beaten. He looked the best horse in the race the whole way through. And well, at Limerick on at Limerick at the weekend. Yeah, and, and like Ricky Doyle, Ricky Doyle is looking like he's got it, but there to me, Dennis just always seemed in control. It was only a matter of when he pushed the button. Yeah, body language would suggest that Dennis thought he was in control because he, he did miss the second last, and all of a sudden Ricky had got maybe a length and three quarter, length and a half on. Yeah, him. but he, looking at body language, Dennis never panicked, and he got a great jump at the last. And then he just gave him a little squeeze after the last. And it was like, it was instant acceleration. Like he quickened up really well. 
and quicken in, in a three mile race and look, the ground was heavy in places as well so I thought that was an impressive performance that the, the horse and tour did run on well but I, I'm sure if uh, I'm sure there's plenty left in the devil's coaching but should we haven't got the man on to ask him but it looked impressive to me he'll be back on very very soon I, I like that performance an awful lot um, but particularly when he makes the mistake of the second last that Dennis just never panics which would give you an indication that he always felt he was going to get there um, that even with losing that momentum that he still felt he was going to pick up Ricky and, and go and win and that yeah. seems to be how it's panned out uh, where would you go with him next because he's in the the Ferry House Gold Cup I'd love to see him in the Irish Grand National yeah he's, I think he's entering the Grand National as well isn't he yeah he is I checked his entries today and I'm nearly sure he was in the Irish Grand National as well um, yeah <sighs> grade one's probably a little bit too much at this stage is it I know he's only a seven-year-old, but to go from that race, look, it's a, it was a decent race at Limerick, wasn't it? But it's it's nowhere near a grade one. It's a grade three, but yeah, there's there's, there's massive differences, obviously, between a grade one at Ferry Hills at, at, at Easter time and a grade three at Limerick and, uh, at the weekend. Grand National, yeah, he got the three miles really well, didn't he? He was three mile one, mm. I suppose, and he, he wasn't he wasn't stopped. But, okay, I know life in the park was closing, but Dennis had eased off at that stage, I think. Yeah. He gave him the squeeze to go. He quickened up well. And the race was put to bed, so he was more easing them down towards towards the line. But yeah, he could be a nice um, a Grand National type. Yeah, seven-year-old, why not? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him in the Irish Grand National. I'd say let, let it roll. Uh, they did so what, make... will he go up? what will he go up for that run the other day? Or well, he can't go up that much because he only won by a couple of lengths. You know, he's I think he's rated 145, so will he go to... He might get five pound, will he? Depends on what mood the handicapper's in. Because it's a JP horse stylishly winning... By a margin that yeah. he probably could have won further, if they wanted. Yeah. But I, I would agree with your initial assessment that it's probably going to be one fifty. He's up to a five pound rise. But yeah. if the handicapper wakes up on the wrong side, maybe he will be given a seven pound rise. But I, I would hope it's no more than five. Um, last one we'll touch on is the Yellow Clay, uh, who made it two from two in the Kevin McManus Bookmaker Championship. Um, bumper to round off proceedings it was soft ground they're talking a big talk with this fellow though uh, and looks as though he could be one of the leading lights for Gordon Elliott's yard next season yeah won a good bumper at uh, Leopardstown uh, not so long ago and well supported again at the weekend he was one of the another one that was very well backed um, look I you know it's it's nice to see the Morans with another good horse but they seem to have a lot of these horses that come out and do well early in their careers and have they still not got a winner at Cheltenham is that right that's right yeah like it's for the money they put in you'd like to see them get a winner at Cheltenham but he looks another really promising um, sort we were speaking about the what's the horse there? I found a 50 it was beaten by Corbett's yeah. Cross like that. Like he looks good but his bubble was well I suppose you can't really say his bubble was somewhat forced being beaten by Corbett's Cross because it was a cracking race them two and they, the two of them have big futures um, yellow clay again like yeah what can you say like I'm sure he cost a fortune I don't have what he cost here in front of me but an impressive winner again you just hope he trains on for them and like it was a good class of a bumper wasn't it really um, for this time of year you think a lot of them have maybe bypassed Cheltenham that probably wouldn't have been good enough to go there I suppose anyway but um, yeah where's the talk now is he gonna would he go to Aintree with him I don't know what they're gonna do with him what do you think what would you do with him now like I'd nearly I'd nearly Say that's it. Pack it up for the season. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. nearly say thanks very much, Yellow Clay. You've done the business there. We've got two yeah. runs into you, two wins, and you're a really nice horse for, for the future. Uh, and then bring him back 
next year. Bring him back at the beginning of the season and, and try and... I, I'd imagine he's going quite, to be a staying hurdler. Yeah, they were quite quick runs, really, when you think of it, weren't they? Both within maybe three weeks of each other. Mm. Each other like. So, yeah, I don't know if they're were if they trying to get him ready for something in the spring. Um, I'd say that's know. it. Because um, if you think about Gordon's record at Punchestown versus Willie's, it just doesn't compare. No, it doesn't. Yeah, he's been and so far. He's been clear, clear in the trainer championship. Gone to punch down a couple of times, hasn't he? And um, just Willie yeah. just pulls further and further. Dominates. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, so yeah. what I'm referring to there really is the bumpers. Like you could yeah. aim him at a Punchestown bumper and think the world of him, but the ground is going to be that bit drier, and Willie's going to have a whole heap of horses for those races as well. Yeah, and you don't want to sour him either. You don't want to give him a hard race finishing back and toward or forward, and it might just affect him going forward. Like you said, two relatively facile successes um, learning on the job. He's had everything, you know, he hasn't had that hard of races, I suppose. Um, yeah, maybe they will just pull stumps for the season now, but look, it all depends on what the owners want to do. If they want to go to entry, they go to entry, don't they? They pay the bills. Yeah, exactly. If Listen, if, if Nolan Vary and Moran say that they'd like to compete in at least one of the festivals, I'd take him to entry personally. I'd go there rather than Punchestown, but I'd, I'd imagine that's him done for the season and he'll be a very, yeah, entry, very entry could be an easier option, couldn't it? It seems counterintuitive, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, it probably uh, would be. He's a very, very nice prospect for the future, the yellow clay, and definitely a horse to be looking out for. It is mad to think that Nolan Valerie Morn are still waiting for their first Cheltenham Festival winner, but who knows? The yellow clay could very well be doing that for them in the Ballymore slash potato race um, towards Cheltenham next year. But the flat is here, and... Barry was bigging it up at the start, so let's not go down a, oh, I wonder who's going to win at Cheltenham 2024 just yet, Barry. We'll, we'll we'll wait another couple of podcast episodes before we start asking those questions again. No, we'll hold off. We'll hold off for the time being. You're, you're obviously a national hunting man more, more so, are you? Whisper quietly, but when it gets to this type of year, at this time of year, and you start looking at the Justify pedigrees and the Sionis and the Saxon Warriors and the Shamadals, yeah, I'm, I'm very much a flat man now. Yo, are we still recording? <laughs> Twala, tur- turn that off. Turn that off. No. It's amazing what they can do with deep fakes these days, isn't it? They can just manipulate people's voices to say the craziest of things. <laughs> oh, I'm living for I'm living for Bellastown now on Saturday. Bellastown is my local track. I love it. Only down the road. So uh, great track. Great track down there. Great viewing. And it always gets a great crowd as well, like for such a small meeting. I think this is the first time they've had a fixture this time of the year. Um, but yeah, cracking little track by Leicester. Have you have you ever been? I haven't, but I I want to because there's great history to that race course and the the, yeah. the few things that I've seen about it on TV, it is total history at that race course. Like there's parts of it that have just been completely unaltered since yeah, beautiful, year beautiful one. Track, like it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. What we need to do is try and get Damien English to line up a horse for us there. And then just get stuck in like an 80 to 1 shot all the way down to 8 to 1. This migraine is going to kill me uh, by the sounds of things. So by the time Thursday's show rolls around, who the hell knows what state I'll be in? Um, And indeed, that's going to be Friday's show because it's Mark Milligan's birthday this week. So very happy birthday to you, Mark. Um, We're recording on Friday a little bit later uh, than usual. Barry thoroughly enjoyed. I'll just give you one bit of advice. I'll just give you one bit of advice before you go. If you have a migraine, the last thing you need to do is listen to me. Oh no. Only make it worse. It is just... yeah, only make it worse, Emma. You tell me this now! Yeah, it's okay telling you now when we're at the end. <laughs> You're literally just going to the end of the show. The migraine's gotten worse. This has been at me since Saturday. 
and it's taken over so yeah listen enough of that I'll just I'll spare the listeners details uh, suffice to say thank you for listening I hope you've enjoyed the insight from Barry and from Laura terrific stuff as always um, and Barry looking forward to chatting to you again next week my man thanks Emmett a pleasure has always been on all the best everybody off to lie down in a dark room uh, for another few hours and try and shake this off Uh, Thank you for listening. Be safe, be well. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange today. New customers only. Terms and conditions apply.